Salamat Pagi. Good morning. morning. Namasaya Jeremy. My name is Jeremy. And we are uh, very excited to to be here uh, with you, to be in Hermitage, uh, to be in worship with you. Um, I can't tell you how refreshing it is and encouraging it is to come into a place of worship uh, where we see so many generations, um, just so many generations of on the stage and in the congregation that are uh, just worshiping God and expressing his love. So thank you for having us here uh, today. Hello, Namasaya Lynette, and that means hello. My name is Lynette in Bahasa, Indonesian. So um, before we get into any further introductions, I'm going to teach you a little something. And so um, we all should be learners, right? Um, We've learned a lot this year, and so we're going to have you learn a little something. And that is um, Namasaya. So that means I am. My name is. So um, again, Namasaya Lynette, and I want you to practice it. So Namasaya. Okay, and then we'll do it one more time, but this time I want to hear your name. So, one, two, three. Nice to meet nice to you. Meet um, I, we haven't learned the next steps to the introductions. We're learning, um, but uh, hopefully in the fall we'll be starting our um, language study. So, we'll turn it over to Jeremy. Yeah, I'll just say, let, let us tell you a little bit about ourselves um, and about our family. Uh, this is a picture of our family. We have three boys. Uh, Luke is here with us today. Uh, Jacob is on the left, and he lives in Phoenix, and he's our middle. And then our oldest is Jordan on the far right, and he is in the Navy serving in Okinawa, Japan uh, right now. And so as we prepare to uh, leave the country, uh, we'll uh, be kind of leaving behind one, getting close to the other, and, and taking one with us. And so, uh, and and I think he's excited about it. this. Will be his first time to ever leave the country. Uh, we have been serving in ministry for many years, and uh, was most recently serving as pastors in Portland, Oregon. And um, so we we got cross cultural training over there. First of all, um, I'm kind of making a cultural joke because Portland is a culture of its own. Um, and, and uh, really have been just steering, feeling God leading us to serve cross-culturally. And so uh, we are preparing to, uh, to move over to Southeast Asia and to join um, a, a region that is reaching so many people uh, that we, just, we, we see so much excitement about it. And so um, we are moving to the world region of Asia Pacific. On this map, you can see that the Nazarene Church divides uh, the world into different regions. So currently we live, we are in the USA and Canada region, and we are getting ready to go to the Asia-Pacific region. And so this is just kind of a map that shows you some of the countries that are in the Asia-Pacific. There's 32 world a- areas, and we will specifically be serving in the, on the Sealands field within that region. And the Sealands field includes um, three different world areas, um, and uh, the one that we will be living in is Indonesia. And so we have, this last year, as we prepared to go, we have been studying the culture, we've been studying some of the language, we've been studying the, the religions, uh, we've been studying the food, and doing all that we can to prepare to move into this, this new world area and uh, to live in Indonesia. And so we, we are just excited to kind of tell you about that today. Okay, so um, the Sealands Field as we'll get talking a little bit, um, where we're going is what's called 
uh, restricted access. So um, for the area, our church, uh, the Church of the Nazarene is a registered church there, um, but we just can't actively um, prophesize, which means evangelize. So we can't uh, Con- try to convert people um, over to, from Christianity or from any other religion to Christianity. Um, so you'll see us refer to our names as Lynette and Jeremy and um, without our last name and um, as cross-cultural servants or as cross-cultural workers. And that's really what we get to do. Uh, we get to go to the country and study the language. Uh, we get to uh, try the food and different parts of the culture. We get to learn about the culture and we literally will be going on a cross-cultural visa. And so we get to be cross-cultural learners. And on, while on the Sealands field, my responsibility will be working with the uh, field um, finance coordinator. So I'll be taking care of finances for the, re- or for the field. And, and I'll be working with some of the churches and the pastors and helping them with resources and uh, equipping them uh, to continue to uh, just be the church in those areas. And on the field, uh, there is a Bible college in Jakarta on Java. And if we could increase this a little bit more, but we were not able to. It's, there's a long island on the left, and that's Sumatra. Then there's one island below it, and that's Java. So we will be going to Java. And there we will be um, on the campus, and we'll be doing our jobs, and then also doing other ministries. And in the first year, learning the language. We want to tell you a lot about the country, but we think that pictures and videos say a lot more than we can with words. And so let's watch this video. Uh, it, this is about the Sealands field, including some of the countries in the field. Region that spans Oops. The Sealands field is a region that spans across several different countries in Southeast Asia. The largest country on the field is Indonesia, which is an archipelago island comprised of over 17,500 islands. From large cities with millions of people to small rural communities, this region is hugely diverse. It is comprised of multicultural, multilingual, and multi-ethnic societies. There are over 306 million people living out their daily lives. More than 700 active languages are spoken. All world religions are represented, including animism and tribal-specific beliefs. Art, music, dance, literature, and cuisine all incorporate age-old forms and traditions developed through centuries with modern-day culture. These traditions, customs, and beliefs are woven intricately together into every aspect of daily life creating a wonderful and beautiful mosaic. Through compassion, evangelism, and education, the Nazarene Church first began making Christ-like disciples in the Sealands field, beginning in Indonesia in 1973, Timor-Leste in 2001, and Singapore in 2017. Currently, 140 churches are discipling believers and sharing hope in their communities. The field is continuing to grow as it pioneers new churches and ministries. 
In Singapore, believers are reaching their neighbors through a unique strategy that emphasizes building relationships with their neighbors and people in the community around them by inviting them into their homes instead of church-designated buildings. In Timor Leste, the church's goal is holistic, working to improve the spiritual, economic, physical, emotional, and social health of the Timorese people through leadership development and compassionate ministries. In Yogyakarta, Indonesia, the Indonesian Nazarene Theological College is empowering ministerial students through education and development, and working with both the established and pioneering districts around the field to provide multiple points for continuing education and training. The Sealands Field desires to develop 500 new leaders by the end of 2021. This vision will be accomplished by sharing the gospel and leading people to Christ. The Sealands Field is discipling the nations and equipping believers to be who God called them to be. I hope that you got a little bit of a glimpse of what uh, ministry is like in the Sealands field. And as I said before, we're preparing to move to Indonesia. You can see by this picture uh, that Indonesia is full of volcanoes. The, the day that we were asked to go to Indonesia last spring, spring of 2020, uh, there was an eruption in the city that we're moving to. And so it's just a normal way of life. In fact, living on Java Island... Uh, we, there are 45 volcanoes just on that island, an island that's about 48,000 um, square miles, about the size equivalent to Alabama, uh, is, has 45 volcanoes. There are 147 across 17,000 islands uh, in the whole country alone. And so we're really excited to get there. If you look online, you would find that Indonesia is one of the most dangerous places to live because of volcanoes, because of earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, religious hostility. And so there's definitely uh, an element of adventure in going there. Um, and uh, we just continue to ask you to pray for us in that. And snakes, which he doesn't like. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the snakes. <laughs> definitely. Um, so when we were supposed to go last year, we, we were prepared to uh, depart on August, in August of last year and to, uh, to begin some study and training, starting in the Philippines and then going to Singapore and then arriving in Indonesia. Uh, with COVID-19, that didn't happen. We didn't get to go. And so now here we are, uh, still waiting for visas and waiting for the country to open up. Our next target date has been August 1st. Uh, we're going to pass that up. It's not going to be open by August 1st as well. And so... Uh, we are just continuing to prepare and to, uh, I guess, to be in study. Uh, and um, so one of the things that we, we feel is important as we share is to share with you what we have learned, not just about culture, but to, to share what God has been doing in our lives as he's prepared us to go. Uh, this picture here is uh, an illustration of how crowded uh, the island of Java is. This is a picture of Jokjakarta. Indonesia, where we'll be, I believe this is Jogja, and um, and so this is uh, an illustration of just the traffic. Uh, you see crowded, I see something really exciting, and that is that we are going to have to get something with two wheels, <laughs> right? I, I had a motorcycle before we were married, but I haven't had one since we've been married, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. And so when we decided to go to uh, Indonesia, I said, okay, but we have to get a motorcycle. And she said, yes. 
And so we're getting, we are all getting excited about getting on something with two wheels. These are mostly like mopeds, the little scooters, but we are fully prepared for all three of us to fit on one of those things. And seriously, we've seen pictures of like five, five people on one, so. Okay, um, as well as this um, crowded, as well as the crowds and the large populations, um, we have Islam, which is one of the... Um, uh, the majority religion, and about 87% of the population um, practices Islam. And um, so this is a picture of a mosque in, in the area as well. And um, based on Pew Research, Indonesians are among the most religious people in the world. Actually, 96% state that the belief in God is necessary to be moral and to have good values. And so um, whether they're uh, Muslim or whether they're Christians, which is about, um, I think we just saw 9.87, so just about 10% of the population is Christian. Um, Then there's Buddhism and um, Confucianism and Catholicism and Hinduism. So there's about six um, recognized religions in in Indonesia. And so of the 277 million people, that are spread across 6,000 inhabited islands, the majority religion is Islam. And so that certainly creates challenges for us as we help to equip churches uh, because we have cultural differences, we have uh, even religious differences. Uh, while most people um, follow Islam, there are still different areas of, um, uh, I guess should say, uh, I guess in terms of how, how faithful or how devout they are to the religious beliefs. And so while we'll be living in a pretty peaceful area, there are certainly some areas that are more, uh, more strong in their faith. And so uh, we have certainly um, exciting challenges ahead of us. Uh, when you look at the diversity, you consider things that unite them. The, the, the motto of Indonesia is unity through diversity. And so they celebrate their diversity. They celebrate their culture and their art. Uh, this is a picture of batik art. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know how it's made? Through wax and paint? Dye? Dye, yeah. Dye. I'm, I'm trying to think of the name, the word dye. Uh, so they, they will use wax to kind of develop the, uh, the lines and the art, and then they'll dye them. Uh, and so this is just an example of, of a large piece of, of cloth with the, the batik art. This is a repetitive pattern with flowers. Sometimes they'll have story illustrations with characters or dragons or flowers or different things. One of the things that I'm most excited about, uh, Luke and I are excited about, is that the, uh, they take this batik art and they make batik shirts and dresses out of batik. Now, the reason why that's exciting is because Indonesia is a very formal country. Uh, We will, uh, even though it's hot and humid all the time (laughs) year-round, we will uh, be conservative in the way we dress. We'll be wearing pants year-round. We'll probably be wearing long-sleeved shirts quite often. When we go to church, uh, we'll tuck in our shirts and we'll wear a tie. And some churches, we will wear a a coat. We will wear a full suit. Unless you have a batik shirt, right? (laughs) Right, A batik shirt doesn't have to be tucked in, and you can't wear a tie with it, and it's considered more formal than a suit and tie. And so Luke and I are, are saving up for lots and lots of batik shirts. If, if, if you would like to help with the batik shirt fund, you just let us know. 
uh, we, we are definitely excited to just not just, I guess, stay cool with a boutique shirt, but also to celebrate the culture, uh, the culture of the people. One thing I want to add to that is that um, art is really actually, you saw it in the video, but art is really um, a, a part of the culture there. And of all the ethnicities, um, there's 34 distinct um, people groups. Um, there's more, but then they divide or it breaks down to about 34. Each one of these groups has their own formal wear. And so when kids are young, they will learn what formal dress for a female and what formal dress for a male would be so they can identify um, those 34 groups of people. So it's kind of neat when you go to a wedding, if you were to go to a funeral, um, anything like that, any any kind of event, you can wear that that outfit and that identifies you with your with your group. So it'd be kind of like your family group. You'd all wear the same type of um, batik formal wear. And so um, there's uh, a lot of these batik arts are used in those traditions. And when an Indonesian meets an Indonesian on the streets or in the markets or in some place, they'll go through a series of questions to try to develop um, a status, how to speak properly to each other and whose status is either higher or equal or lower. And so they'll ask you about your last name so they can learn where you're from, what culture you're from. They, they know these 34 country, uh, cultures very well. And so they will develop, I guess you can say they, they're able to kind of judge your, uh, your culture based on a series of questions. They're going to ask us some questions too. Yeah. Um, so all of it is about respect. Um, right. Um, think about uh, the U.S. about 50 years ago. How did you always address the older person was Mr. or Mrs.? Um, and so there it would be, if you're a female, you're going to be referred to as Ibu. If you're a male, you'd be referred to as Pak, P-A-K. And so Jeremy will be Pak Jeremy, and I will be Ibu Lynette. And as a married couple... Um, they don't really go by last names as much, but um, I would be Ibu Jeremy. So after church, if you want to practice it, you could call me Ibu Jeremy. Mrs. So then, Mrs. Jeremy. Mrs. Jeremy, mm-hmm. so I could get used to it. Um, but that is the, the formalities are there. But then this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. Um, the next piece is, and all of it's basically how the formality of the language is and how you speak to your elders and to the young um, people And then more young to young, you wouldn't have all these different formalities. Um, but the next step would be really is um, you're going to ask, uh, how old are you? Okay, why do you, why do you think you would ask how old you are? Because they want to know if you're a higher status, that how to properly address how someone to proper, who's older or younger. Exactly. And then this is where it gets a little bit more tricky. Um, they'll ask you your weight, <laughs> um, a so lot we've been of on a diet now for a year <laughs> and, uh, so a lot of times and we're thinking oh my goodness that would be like the most horrible offensive thing probably for a female in the United States mm-hmm. is to like truly go up and be like hi what's your name how much you know how much do you weigh and or how old are you and how much do you weigh um and so but that's basically determining you know just health how how are you you know doing and I guess you get all those questions out of the way and then it's perfectly fine it's um, kind of funny because they're an indirect society so where they may not ask you direct questions at sometimes or give you direct answers 
answers about their opinions or their thoughts. They'll never tell you directly to go do something, or if you ask them their opinion, they'll give you an indirect answer. But there's other times where we're learning that they will ask us what feels like to us a very direct question. So they might ask us what our weight is. If they want to come see us in the afternoon or come stop by our house, they'll first ask if we've had our afternoon bath. And they will expect us to take a shower twice a day because if you don't, then that's considered bad hygiene. It is hot. It's humid. Not a lot of people have air conditioning. But they will ask us on a regular basis, have you taken your your afternoon shower today? And if you say no, then they will immediately look at you as someone who is absolutely disgusting. Um, And so it's kind of interesting as we learn. It's also an idea or something to let you know that you can, um, that they come in can come and visit you afterwards. Absolutely. Um, so this year, we'll talk a little bit about this year and then what um, God's really kind of been teaching us. But like Jeremy said earlier, uh, last August we were going to the Philippines um, to study at Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary. And um, this, um, while we weren't able to go, this was probably about the most foundational training, I would say, um, for us in learning um, about the Asian culture. Um, When I was 10, God called me into missions, but it's taken a long time um, uh, to get to that point. But I thought I had a, uh, just a heart for um, the Spanish, for Central and South America. And um, I had no clue about anything about the Asian um, culture. And um, it's just neat to see through all of the learning, even if they were three o'clock, Zoom calls in the morning from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., two days a week, and some in the evening, that training was some of the most um, life-forming time of developing a love for the Asian culture. And um, we just uh, were thankful for that. Thank you guys for your, um, you are our Lynx family, and just thank you for supporting us through this with your prayers and um, uh, we are thankful if you ever get a chance to study at Asia Pacific, um, that, that's just an incredible opportunity to um, just know that you have brothers and sisters in Christ studying across the world mm-hmm. and making disciples. Um, and, and especially we were in the Philippines, and I just want to put in right there real quick is that the Philippine district um, that we were a of a part of they just had their first they just had their sending service for their first filipino missionaries being sent out um and so um the united states is no longer the only sending country of of missionaries it is now missionaries are being sent from other countries from around the world which is pretty amazing Mm -hmm. And so it's exciting for us to keep up with updates on uh, how the church is growing in Southeast Asia and all around the Asia-Pacific region. During our time there, there were four things that we really learned. And you would think that we would say, well, we learned about the culture, we learned about the Bible, we learned about, uh, you know, about the societies and the different churches. We studied all that. We studied the world religions. We studied the, the, um, the world views and all those things. We learned those. But here's the four things that we really learned the most. The first is really that obedience is the number one thing that God just really desires from us. He desires that we are obedient to how he calls us in whatever capacity that is. For us, 
that has been with a willingness to go cross-culturally. We've, we've been ready for it. We've been craving it for many, many, many years. Uh, and those doors have just opened. But even in that calling, our obedience has not just led us to pack up and move, or I should say sell everything and move, but really an obedience to go where he sends us and when, whenever and wherever that is. Uh, we were hoping to move last year, but we've been traveling the United States for a year. And while we enjoy it, we love to meet with our church family from all across the country. Uh, we love to uh, see uh, see the, the you know the beauty of America. We also are so anxious to go, and God is just telling us just be still and wait. And and the obedience that comes during that waiting, the obedience that comes. Uh, as we serve God together as a family, the obedience that comes in every aspect of life has been one of just the most important and the essential parts of things that we learn. Uh, going to Asia Pacific online requires that we kind of live on a Filipino time, uh, time zone, and so they're 12 hours ahead of us. So our classes were at 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning for a year. And I, I promise you, when that alarm goes off at 2.45 in the morning, you do not want to be obedient to the call to get up and go to class. Uh, but there's just such a beauty in the, uh, in the teaching and the, the persistence of it. We learned that prayer is essential. Uh, that if we as a, a Christian people, if we are not daily and weekly in prayer, if we are not in prayer as individuals and as a church, if we are not in prayer with our requests and our petitions, and if we are not in prayer in every aspect of life, if we are not in prayer with our thanksgiving, carrying each other's burdens, then we are truly missing God's calling in our life. We're missing what he has to say to us. Sometimes God speaks to us in loud and obvious ways. Sometimes he speaks to us with just a still, small voice. And when we come to him in prayer, that gives us the opportunity to interact with him in such a way that we can hear his voice that we can understand what he's saying to us. And so we have to be obedient to him, but we do that through prayer first. And that's really where we start. And we've learned that not just at APNTS, but also in our, in our time of waiting. We've also learned that we need to have an attitude of thankfulness. And um, it was such a joy this morning to just be able to worship with you all. Um, you are, we are all united um, because we're part of the body of Christ. And so whether we're in Texas, Oregon, across the world, wherever we're at, we always know that we are joined together as brothers and sisters um, because of Christ. And that's so encouraging um, to us. It should be encouraging to you, um, our son in the Navy. Um, it's we, we, the, the, the bond, not even just, you know, of united in Christ, uh, Christ as believers, but also um, with the Nazarene Church across the world. Our son in Okinawa, when he got there, we immediately called up um, the church, one of the churches there, and he started attending that church. And we've always taught our boys that wherever you are, you have a body of, you have the body of Christ, and you can go, and there's connections. And um, so we're thankful for for you and and for our brothers and sisters. Um, we're also just relying that, or each day. Um, 
one thing that God just placed on our heart is that when you have an attitude of thankfulness and you're giving God praise, it's really hard to be critical and to criticize others. And there might be days where maybe things aren't going as God has or as you think that they should be going. But I will tell you that as soon as you start giving God the praise, um, your heart, your mind, everything starts to change. And um, that's what we continued to do. And so one practice that we did daily this last year, taking Luke to school, was to have um, scripture. We would talk about scripture in, in the car on the way to school. And so um, if you know some of these verses, you can say some of them with me. But enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So we would just continue on, but start your day with prayer, with an attitude of thankfulness, and then compassion. Um, There's just something that God placed on my heart. Um, Any of you dream sometimes? Um, I don't dream a lot, but man, I had one vivid dream just about a month ago, and um, I woke up, and it was like God said, compassion compels us into action. When we have a compassion, sometimes we didn't even know that we had a compassion for for um, the Asian culture, right? Um, I just didn't even know it was possible. But I will tell you that when you start, when God starts working in your heart and carving out those areas, he will put that compassion for you in your heart, and then that compassion is truly what compels us to go, whether that's across the street, whether that's to your neighbor sitting next to you here in, um, in your church, uh, your brothers and sisters, whether it be your family member, wherever that is, that compassion for others um, is what God places in your heart, and that's where we're told to act upon it. So compassion compels us into action. Mm-hmm. So as a church, we have been given a commission, and that is found in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 9, and that commission is to go. Um, oh, we missed one. Uh, but in, in Matthew 28, uh, verse 19, we, we were told to go into the world and to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we believe strongly that as a church that that is different for everyone, but it applies to everyone. That as a church and as followers of Christ, there are some of us who will go uh, across the sea and we'll go into a new culture and we'll learn learn a new language and and we'll learn a really we'll we'll wear a really cool batik shirt. And but there's some of us who are going to stay home, and that doesn't mean that the the gospel doesn't apply to us. It means that we are called to go, whether it's across the street or around the world. And that as the body of Christ, we have a unity that a bond that uh, that strengthens us, that, that unites us through through Christ and through the Holy Spirit, that we are united because of who Jesus is and what the promises that he's given to us. When you look into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, we are reminded that just as one body, though one, the body that has many parts, but all parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And that verse applies to Gentle Shepherd Church, that within this church uh, body, you have different parts. And, and, and I have to tell you, I am so impressed with 
the, uh, with the, the unity that we see in this church, that with Pastor Burke gone still, with the leaders that step up and, and lead, that you have such a, a healthy team of leaders that are leading in so many different areas. You are acting as the body with many different parts. And so you have many parts here within this local congregation, but our global church also has many parts. And our global church sends some of us, and our global church continues to equip some of us to be his light in this community. And so please be reminded that we are all, we are all disciples that are called to go. We are all disciples that have a purpose and a mission. And when we fulfill, or I guess when we learn to be obedient to that call, when we spend time in prayer, when we have an attitude of thankfulness, and when God develops a greater heart of compassion in us, then we know that we're able to bear good fruit, just as it says in Colossians chapter 1, that all over the world the gospel is bearing fruit, and it's growing, just as it has been doing among you, uh, as Paul said to the people in Colossae, but also as God tells to all of his believers, that his fruit has been growing among all of us, From the day that we have heard and listened and been obedient to the word that God has given to us. So God has given us a promise. He's given us a truth. He's given us an excitement. He's stirred up in us a joy for following him and for worshiping him. And it is that excitement in us that compels us into action. I love this banner up here. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23. Be made new into the attitude of your minds. You see, when we... Receive the gift that God has offered to us. He makes us new. We become a new creation. It means that he doesn't just make us new um, in, in just the things that we do. It doesn't mean that we're new by title or by name. It doesn't mean that we just receive uh, a title as Christian. It means that he, the Bible tells us that he gives us a new heart and a new passion. He gives us a new mind and that he makes us a new creation. And when we know that newness, when we have been made new by his promises, it compels us to go, whether it's into our family or into our workplace. It should compel us to go to our neighbors and compel us to go into our schools and compel us to go into the supermarkets or or around the world that as new creations, as people who have been made new, we should be compelled to share his love and to share the compassion that he has given inside of us for all people. Before we conclude, I just wanted to kind of jump on the the compassion part of it. A year ago, we were preparing to go to a country that we didn't really know much about. Um, we, we, We studied and we knew that the dominant religion... Uh, almost 90% of the people is Islam. We didn't know anything about Islam, so we're left to assumptions and stereotypes. And in the United States, there are lots of stereotypes about Muslims. And so while we didn't uh, assume to have any uh, negative thoughts about Islam, we really had a lot of ignorant thoughts and so through our studies this last year, as we've studied the culture and as we've studied the religion, as we've studied um, how to develop friendships and to, um, I guess, to build bridges with our, our Muslim neighbors, God has stirred up in us a compassion for these people, an excitement, and, and an excitement to, to meet them and to greet them and to develop a friendship, to find commonalities in our history, because Muslims still adopt 
uh, scriptures. They still live by the, the Old Testament, and the New Testament is even one of their sacred books. And so that opens up doors for us to uh, build bridges with them. And so in this last year, as we have studied culture, God has given us a compassion and an excitement to go into a place to serve among a people that we never thought that we had a compassion for before. And that comes through prayer. Because it's when we really truly started praying that God really stirred up that compassion, that compassion that compels us to go. And so I, I, I say that to encourage all of you, that if you recognize that you're lacking a compassion in your life for a person or a group of people, for a race or a religion, for people who identify with something that's different from you, whether it's a political party, uh, in whatever capacity. Rather than living in ignorance or living in a place of, um, I guess you could say, stereotypes about those people, I encourage you to pray for them. We recently listened to uh, a speaker say, you can't criticize someone until you pray for them. And that's true, and we all know that. And so I encourage you to pray for those who you have maybe a little bit of a lack of understanding for because God will develop a compassion in your heart for those people. One thing I wanted to tag on, too, um, uh, along with compassion, um, I just feel that, as this verse says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. And as our, as Jeremy was saying, as, the, as our hearts are made new, we have to remember that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is in us and moves in us, and we are his vessels. So we are the light carriers. If you think of a, of a, um, of a lighthouse, um, the beacon with the light at the top, in the storms of life, you see that beacon. If you're not letting your light shine, you're really actually covering the Holy Spirit, and you're not letting him move in your life. Seek the Lord. If you're not seeing, uh, or if you're not sensing his presence, if you're not maybe hearing from him, keep on pressing in. In those times, in those storms, God wants to see you. He want, or He wants to know that you are pressing into him, but you are, we are, um, we, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So the, um, the, there's a verse, the Lord is our salvation. Whom our, the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall I fear? When we have the Holy Spirit moving in us um, and we are just in step and listening, right? Just um, we've been talking about the, a cloud that Moses, you know, that the Israelites would follow um, by day and a pillar of fire by night. When we just wait upon the Lord, when we listen and he says, go, um, turn to the right, it's time to go, turn to the left. There's a person in need right here. Talk to them. Um, just listen, right? So I think so many times we just forget that we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And um, the more that we press in, as Jeremy said, the more that we press in in prayer, the more that we seek the Lord, the more that he will continue to work in our lives in in ways that we just can't even imagine. And so I encourage you um, 
to continue as the body of Christ, as Gentle Shepherd Church, to continue being united together, growing together in prayer and being in agreement with each other, where two or three or more gathered in his name, his, um, their prayers will be answered. So as a church, as a body, come together, seek him first, and he will do amazing things in your lives and in your community. We want to leave you with these three challenges, and, and that is we encourage you, each as individuals and as a church, and that is, one, to pray. Lean into God. Be in prayer continually. If you don't know what to pray or how to pray, then ask God to help you. That's, a, that's an amazing concept that when we don't know what to say to God, we, ask God, we can ask him to, to help us pray, and he helps us know what to say to him. And so there's just a beauty in that. Please continue to pray for churches around the world and for your cross-cultural workers like us who are in different world areas. And we continually thank you for being, um, for just being such a support to us uh, as, as cross-cultural workers that are going. Please pray for the Sealands Field. In that video that we showed, they said they, they talked about having a vision for 500 new leaders raising up through the Bible College there by the end of this year. COVID has kind of slowed that down, but there are still 30 graduates that are preparing to graduate uh, at the end of this year that are going into their uh, back to their homes, to their different um, to their, their their islands and their people groups, and they will still continue to share the love of Christ. And so, please continue to pray for the Sealands Field and for our family as well uh, as we wait for departure. Uh, we're, we're now made a new target date of September 1st. And so uh, we're just praying that we can get our visas for September 1st. And then giving um, uh, from your church, uh, you can give to your church. There's special offerings like the alabaster um, and then the Easter alabaster. It should be coming up, I think, in the fall. And um, if you don't know much about that, I'm sure you will hear more about it then. But those alabaster funds go straight to the mission field to build churches. And so um, that those are just pretty amazing things. You have sponsoring a child um, and then many, many compassionate ministries. And so there are always ways. You guys have been great um, at helping us as well, and we appreciate that. Um, but there are, and giving in your community, um, as Kathy said, you know, yeah, scripture, we, we're called to give at least 10% of our offerings, but really we're called to give all to give everything. And um, when you give everything, it's amazing to see what the Lord will do. Um, we Obviously, he knows our heart. And not to give out of expectations, expect, um, expectations and thinking, oh, I'm going to give $100, I'll get a million in return. It doesn't really work like that. But it's, it's, it's a joyful giver. Let's give out of joy. Yeah. And we also encourage you just to continue to be faithful in your, in your giving uh, as a church. So every dollar that you give to your church, the church uh, gives a portion to the World Evangelism Fund. And this fund just continues to fund ministries all around the world. I Don't try to read all those, uh, but it just kind of gives you a glimpse of how the World Evangelism Fund is truly making a difference around the world. And so we thank you for your faithful to that, to faithfulness to that. And then lastly, um, go. And um, that's you specifically serving locally. 
in whatever capacity that is. Um, find a way to serve in your community. Find a way to serve in your church. Um, remember, as Jeremy said at the very beginning, we're all part of the body. And so we are called. We're not, um, it, it doesn't say if you want to be. Um, we kind of need you. No, we're all called. We're all part of the body. Um, you might be an arm and your spouse might be the foot and you have to work together to make those move at the same time. Um, and so serve locally, serve in your own in church body, serve in your family, serve with your neighbors wherever you can. Serve cross-culturally. Um, hopefully, um, or actually go to the Nazarene.org website, and if you are interested, like I said, I was 10. We ha- when I was originally, when I first was called, we have a friend who is going to Romania, somewhere over there, somewhere in Europe, uh, yeah. very soon, and she's 76. Um, and so she's going for a short term. So you can sh- serve short term, which is three, six months, year to two years, or long term. And we're we're global, we're long term. And um, so whatever, there are coffee shop ministries over in Europe. So if you want to go minister in a coffee shop, go. If God puts it on your heart, go. If God calls you at the age of 10, say yes and go. And I, I think that it's just so important for us to remember that we're also called to, to go where we are. Even if we're waiting to go somewhere else, we, we go where we are. And I was just telling someone last week uh, who was older and said that I can't go. I, I can't physically travel. And I said, well, what do you like to do? And, and they said, well, I like to cook. And I said, I promise you there are people in this community who are just would love to come over and enjoy a meal. Um, I was in college once, and I remembered uh, how... How wonderful it was to have a, a home-cooked meal. Uh, do you have college in this town? Is there a college? Yeah. yeah. Man, I promise you there's some starving college students that are living on pizza and monster drinks and would love a home-cooked <laughs> meal. And so there are just so many ways that we can serve all around the world. And, and so we just encourage you to continually uh, to be out there. And mostly we just say thank you. Thank you for being a support to us. Um, and if you don't know, this church has been a financial support and a prayer support to us, and, and you've been just a blessing to us if, as we prepared to go. And so we just say thank you for that, and uh, we look forward to continuing um, our, our relationship and, and then coming back, hopefully, um, in about two years when we come back and, and visiting again and telling you more about what we've learned and maybe hearing about the things that you've learned as well. So, thank you. Let me close us in prayer. Is that okay? No, that's not okay. We're just going to stand here. Yes. Sorry. Have we enjoyed this talk this morning? Uh, we want to take up a love offering for... Puck and Ibu Jeremy, oh, yes, before we leave. So our ushers are ready um, to, to collect this offering, and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jeremy and Lynette and Luke Skywalker. We thank you, Father, that we get to have a glimpse into what they're doing and to be a part of that. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing, Lord, for you to allow us to do this. Some go, some stay. We love, Father, that we are ascending church, and we send them in your name. I pray that you'll bless this offering, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. 
So uh, I, I heard you say that, uh, uh, what was it about, um, about a leg? You might be a leg, you might be a foot. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, in the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I'm just warped, but I was thinking, <laughs> well, if it was my husband's foot and my arm, they'd be about the same length. <laughs> We want to thank you for coming today and thank for speaking with us. And we do hope that we'll see you in two years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we hope that our, our dear Bonnie will be here in two years to greet you. And, uh, and we, know that, uh, we know that every soul, that every soul that you encounter was a planned mission. Mm-hmm. And isn't that exciting yes. that the Lord goes before you? Would you stand right down here in front of these stairs? Church. Let's pray for these folks. They're about to do what most of us do not want to do. If we'll put hands on them. I know that if Pastor Brian was here, he would say we are ascending church. It doesn't matter. Yes. Heavenly Father, we send this beautiful family out, Lord, into your service. We pray, Father, that you will protect them, that you will multiply their compassion. We pray, Lord, that you will draw them continually into prayer. We pray, Father, that you will open doors, that you will open all the safe doors and close all the unsafe doors. We pray, Father, that people will flock to them, Lord, that people will want to hear what they have to say. We pray, Lord, that the hungry people, the truly hungry people will come, Father, that you will compel them by your spirit. And we know, Lord, we know that with this obedience and this prayer and this compassion, Father, surely, surely, Lord, you will be lifted up. We praise you and thank you, Father, for this couple. We ask you to bless them above and beyond, Father, what they expect. We pray, Lord, that you'll surprise them in the way that you so often do by giving more than we ask for. And personally, Father, we pray that you will give them what they individually stand most in need of to be prepared. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for the grace that you've put on them for the anointing on their lives. Father, glorify yourself in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. We are so happy that you came. Thank you, sir. So happy that you came. Luke Skywalker, give me a hug, buddy.